You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. no reason whatsoever for us to sin or to succumb to temptation. It's true. It's true. So I just want to put that out there. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that going forward we're all going to be sinless, but this is something that we all need to take into consideration. Don't blame it on anyone else except yourself. Oh, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. He might have orchestrated the, you know, the temptation or whatever. But remember the power that is available to us in Christ. Scripture tells us that there's no temptation we'll face that's greater than the power we're given to resist it. Our Heavenly Father created everything that is, including Satan and the fallen angels that serve him. So even under the full onslaught of our enemy, our Father is still stronger and has given us access to his power through the Holy Spirit. As Pastor Mike will reassure us in today's message, this means that we never have to give in to temptation. You can stand up and resist it through Christ. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he continues his message, My Prayer for You. consider the second petition under the same heading that is the things that are really important notice let's go back to our text in verse 18 he prayed that these believers would appreciate the things that they possess so we just spent the last three weeks going through this list here in Ephesians chapter 1 of all of the blessings and gifts that and resources that God has made available to us through his son Jesus Christ and uh, remember, in our opening message, I had mentioned that there are 24 doctrines in this one book of the Bible that are addressed in six chapters. Think about that. It's so rich. It's so full. So we're, gonna, we're just scratching the surface here. We've spent the last three weeks you know, treating only the gifts that are recorded for us here in chapter 1, right? So again, Paul petitioning the Lord on behalf of these believers in verse 18, asked that they would gain an appreciation of what we possess. Now, going back to remember the statement that I made, we need to examine these prayers that have been recorded and preserved for us in the Bible because these are the things that are really important. We should own these prayers. We should put ourselves in the place of those who are praying those prayers. These are the things that are really going to benefit us. These are the things that are really going to bring blessings into our lives, that are going to move us into the center of God's will for our lives. 
Notice in verse 18, let's read that again. That the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. That we may know what is the hope of our calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Now that word know is a really interesting word. In the Greek, it's a pig gnosko, and it refers to a greater kind of a knowledge, a kind of a knowledge that influences us, right? I mean, there are things that we've learned in school, reading from textbooks, but, you know, they really haven't changed our lives dramatically or have influenced us. But that's the kind of knowledge that Paul is asking God to impart to these believers. It's an appreciation and understanding of what something means. It's not just an identification, like, for example, I'm a Christian, like some kind of a tag or some kind of an identification or some kind of a title that we place upon a person. We realize that we are believers, that we are Christians. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that entail? What does that bring to us? What does that provide for us? But then it also means that you know what to expect as a Christian. And so Paul wanted his believing people to know, to realize, to fully appreciate what was the hope of their calling. All of the blessings we have been talking about these last few weeks, all that is in the hope of our calling. To know what we can expect now, that we've come to Christ. You see, that is what Paul had in mind as he prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the lives of these Ephesians. They needed to be wise and have true insight into the nature of God to really understand what is prepared for them in Jesus Christ. Now, that should raise the question in our minds. Well, okay, Mike, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Well, before we go ahead and tackle that question, notice there in verse 18, I would remember, I I would like you to remember that you're the saints that Paul is referring to here. You know, usually in our culture, when we think of saints, we think of someone who possesses extraordinary holiness or, you know, some kinds of miracles have been attributed to him. Well, we've already dispelled that myth in one of our previous studies in the introduction to this book of the Bible. And I suggested in that introductory message that as Paul addresses this epistle to the saints there in Ephesus, it refers to the people who belong to God, that have been set apart by God for himself. The word sanctification actually, well, the word saint actually comes from the root word that's translated sanctification. They're they're really one and the same. So it's someone who's been set apart by God and for God. And that's who you are. Now, with that said, the riches refers to both that which has been given to us now and what God has prepared for us in heaven. This is just a a, a small taste of what is waiting for us when we cross over into eternity. And, uh, you know, eye has not beheld and our heart can't fully comprehend or understand the things that God has prepared for those who love him, Paul tells us, right? And it's so very true. We don't even know what what a bright and glorious future all of us have to look forward to. Okay, so things aren't working out particularly 
maybe the way that you want them right now. You know what? This is only temporal. This is just for a season. And in fact, God is using all of those things within your life, all of those irritations and, and uh, things that, you know, if you don't have the right perspective, will cause you to be discouraged. He's using them. He has a plan and a purpose in those things. Just hang on to that. Our future is so bright. Man, right? Uh, when we cross over into eternity, and then we have all of eternity to enjoy it. So the riches that Paul is referring to here has a dual application. That which has been given to us now, all of what we've already been talking about these last several weeks, and what God has prepared for us in heaven. But let's go ahead and once again rehearse what has God made available to us now. And I want you to think about this. You know, you say, well, this is missing out of my life, and this hasn't happened, and I was hoping for this thing, and, you know, uh, you, know you fill in the blank. Whatever may have caused you to be discouraged or disillusioned with uh, your life's experience. So think on these things. If for nothing else, you become a child of God. Think about that. You've been adopted by God. You're a child of God. Uh, God has given you the ability to obey him by his grace. In his strength, we are able to believe and have faith in him. As a cross-reference, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. This, this, is, this is one of my top 10 verses of scripture anywhere in the Bible. I love this. Because the burden doesn't lie with any of us. This is the work that God has done in each and every one. If you're a believer, and as I look around the room, I, 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 I know everyone that's here, basically. And, uh, and I don't doubt that there's anyone here that isn't saved, that isn't a believer, that hasn't been converted, born again of the Spirit of God. But, uh, but So each and every one of you experience this. It's Philippians that says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what does that suggest to us? You wouldn't even have a will to uh, do of his good pleasure, right? Unless God hadn't put it there. You see that? God did that within each and every one of us. So we've become a child of God. We're able to obey by God's grace. In God's strength, we are able to believe. By his grace, we have a righteous standing before God. How crazy is that? I mean, come on, you know who you are. You know all of the little nasty things that you do when no one's around, when no one's looking, right? We're walking in fellowship with him. Jesus is working to move me into God's will, and thus my heart is flooded with peace and joy and love. And listen, when we realize these things, and this is exactly why Paul was praying to this end, when I realize all of what God has done, is continuing to do, will do in the future, the result of this is it strengthens me in my faith. But this also helps me not to get entangled in the things of the world. Because I don't want to forfeit those things that I already possess. Although there are times where I totally forget, you see. Remember the dimness of our understanding. That's why Paul prayed for understanding, wisdom, revelation of these things. But when we do understand, when God has shown these things to us and we understand them, 
where we can actually wrap our heads around these truths, the result of that is we're careful not to forfeit these blessings. Why? Because you're going to protect your wealth. Like if you've got some money in the bank, right? You're not, you're not going to be uh, careless with it. If, if God has blessed you with money, you're going to be very careful the way that you spend it, the way that you use it, right? You're going to protect your wealth. And listen, let me tell you something. The things that you have, money can't buy. And so that's the second petition that Paul brings before the Lord on behalf of these Ephesian believers. And then finally, under this heading, the things that are really important, Paul prayed, notice there in verse 19, that they would avail themselves of God's power. That they would avail themselves of God's power. Let's read verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So that's the third petition that, God, uh, that Paul brings before the Lord on behalf of these believers. So Paul here is talking about divine, dynamic, eternal power that is available to each and every one of us. Now, why should we pray this prayer? I mean, why do we need this kind of power? Well, to begin with, I think I've already kind of insinuated why this morning. Uh, well, to begin with, by nature, we are too weak to appreciate and appropriate the wealth that we have in Christ and to use it as it should be used. Remember back in uh, Matthew's Gospel, in, in uh, chapter uh, 26, in verse 41, when uh, the Lord enters into the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the night before, uh, well, actually, the night when he was about to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot, and, and then the night before he was going to be uh, just cruelly uh, dealt with by these Roman soldiers, and then ultimately hung on the cross, dying in our place uh, for our uh, sin. But remember, he appointed Peter to watch and to pray. And each time that he came back from the garden to check on his disciples, he found them sleeping rather than praying. And what determination? What, are, what were we told there? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, you can apply that to, to just anything, you know, the Spirit is willing to do a work in each and every one of our lives, but the flesh is weak. And that's the problem. It's not like, you know, God is impotent to help us to be an overcomer of any temptation or sin within our lives. It's the weakness of your flesh. God understands that. And that's exactly why Paul prayed this prayer on behalf of the believers. But then there are also enemies out there that want to rob us of our wealth. Like, for example, we're going to get into this. This is probably one of the greatest chapters anywhere in the Bible that addresses the subject of spiritual warfare, the armor of God chapter, as it is known. We'll get to it in one of our future studies later on. We're going to be in this book of the Bible for months, obviously. But in Ephesians chapter 6, in verses 11 and 12, it speaks of the, these foes, these enemies that would... Uh, are antagonistic towards our following through with the commitment that we made to Christ. He says, put on the whole armor of God, the, all of the armor of God, every bit and piece, every resource that God has made available to us. Because the enemy will come in, you know, where you're most vulnerable. 
if you don't have the, uh, the helmet of your salvation, guess what? He's going to beat you over the head, right? If your feet isn't shod with the gospel of peace, he'll get you that way, right? And uh, so that's why Paul encourages his belief, put on the whole armor of God. Make sure you're not vulnerable in any area of your life. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, let me tell you something. If God ever opened your eyes to the battle that's raging around you, it would blow you away. And that's the reason why. I think You'd be frightened. You'd be scared. You know, when you're facing that, temp when temptation presents an opportunity, there are these hosts of heaven in engaged in a battle. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Now, look, I'm not trying to be metaphysical on you or anything. You know, Pastor Mike has kind of gone off the deep end here. But it's true. We're engaged in a spiritual warfare. Sometimes we know nothing about, you know? But praise the Lord, we can, we can pray, right? Uh, and he'll battle for us. You know, the, the hosts of darkness, the enemies that are these principalities and powers and, and, uh, that come against us. You know, God will raise up a standard against it. And, but we need to realize that. So uh, there are these enemies out there that want to rob us of our wealth. And we'll never defeat spiritual foes in your own power, in your own strength. But praise the Lord, we can, through the Spirit's power, working in and through our lives. And so Paul wanted them to know the greatness of God's power so that we will not fail to use our wealth. And let me just stop here for a moment and say, you know, when we say that we've blown it or that we fail, you know, there are excuses. And, and listen, you know, I, I, I'm not, don't misunderstand, I'm not giving anyone license to sin. But if you sin, the truth of the matter is you've chosen to sin. If you would have taken the time out to seek the Lord when that temptation presented itself to you, guess what? You would have never fallen into it. If you have just taken the time. And, and it might be just as, something as, some, as simple as, Lord, my body right now is screaming for satisfaction. And here's this opportunity and temptation before me. And you might not be able to do anything else but say, God, help. But let me tell you something, that, that's a very effective prayer. It doesn't have to be some long Elizabethan prayer for God to bail you out of your particular situation, right? The Bible tells us that with every temptation, he'll make a way that we might be able to bear it and to escape it. And your particular situation isn't different from anyone else's. It's just an excuse. Well, you don't understand. My temptation was a bigger temptation, and that's why I fell into it. Guess what? It's an excuse. There's no reason whatsoever for us to sin or to succumb to temptation. It's true. It's true. So I just want to put that out there. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that going forward we're all going to be sinning, but this is something that we all need to take into consideration. Don't blame it on anyone else except yourself. Oh, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. He might have orchestrated the, you know, the temptation or whatever. But remember the power that is available to us in Christ. 
We're going to talk some more about that power in just a moment. So Paul wanted them to know the greatness of God's power so that they, that, that they will not fail to use their wealth. That the enemy will not come along and deprive them of that wealth. That they won't get spiritually ripped off. Now, with that said, this power is described for us in the next few verses as it was revealed in Christ. Okay, so let's pick up now in verse 20. And we are told, which he worked. Now, he's describing this power, just so that you'll know how dynamic, how rich, how full, how powerful is it. He says, which he worked in Christ, that is, which God the Father worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, all of those principalities and enemies that would come against you as well, power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. That's you and I which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Okay, so this power is described for us here in these verses as it was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, so what kind of power are we talking about? We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about the kind of power that triumphs over death. We're talking about the kind of power that triumphs over the grave that seats a person in the place of authority. And no authority or power, human or in the spirit world, is greater than that of Jesus Christ, the exalted Son of God. Notice the phrases. Go back to verses 21 and 22. Verse 21, it says, far above all. Verse 22, all things under his feet. Head over all things. And then also take note of verses 22 and 23 tells us, that Christ is our spiritual head. And through the Spirit, we are united to Him as the members of His body, the church. So what does that mean? It means we share His resurrection power. It means we share in His ascension power. It means that we share in His exaltation. What's His is ours. You see, in our association with Christ, we too are seated in the heavenlies. And all things, guess what, are under our feet as well. And that's why, you know what, excuses just don't buy it. They don't wash with God. Do you understand the power that we actually are made available to us? You know, that's ours for the taking. You see, the greatest power shortage today is not in our generators or in our gas tanks. It is in our own personal lives. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of In My Father's House as we study the book of Ephesians with Pastor Mike. It's no secret that people can sometimes be messy. So when you put all kinds of people into a church building, there's bound to be problems. For this reason, the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus to remind them to remain unified in Jesus. 
When Jesus remains at the center of your relationships, the body of Christ is so much sweeter. Take Paul's writings to heart and seek to live in unity with those around you. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike or to hear today's message again, just visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Find directions, service times, and more information on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. And if you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We're so glad you were able to spend this past half hour with us. Join us again for more from this verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House. Let me trouble, I remember what you said.